0: Welcome my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, October October 4th. It's time for another episode of The Power Hour. We've got the team with us from Pittsburgh Power. We'll get to your calls and questions here in just a couple minutes. So line them up. 855-950. Three We'll get to those calls here in just a couple minutes. We're going to bring Bruce in first. Bruce, looks like you're first up on the board. Welcome back. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's
1: always our pleasure.
0: What's on your mind this and week? Got,
1: uh, three have in- got three very interesting things. Okay. Uh, one is... Fleet Air Filter, a fella by the name of Daniel Atkinson, has been chasing a low boost. He can't get into our shop, so I had him um, make his own boost kit system. And he found a small leak, but this is a 2016 or 17 Cascadia glider with a 60 series D-Deck 4. And we have it set to... uh, right around 610 flywheel horsepower. And he was making 40 pounds of boost. And this is why boost gauges are important. He
0: had a gasket issue. Go ahead. Oh, I don't know what that was. Right there? Yeah, I'm not sure what that was. Okay. Go ahead.
1: He had a gasket issue, so he went back to the paper filter. And he went from 40 pounds of boost to 32. He lost eight pounds of turbo boost. Wow. That's 200 degrees gain in exhaustive. You will gain 25 degrees for every pound you lose. So some people think minor boost leaks are just minor. No, they're not. They're major things. So anyway, now naturally when you change this and you don't use – He might not have noticed the loss until he came to his first mountain. I mean, that could have been days later. Right. So he called me, and we're chasing his boost leak. And then he told me about changing the air filter. And then he took it for a ride with no air filter, got his 40
0: pounds back. Wow. So So, a, a new paper filter was causing that much restriction?
1: Eight pounds wow. loss.
0: So, so that's that's
1: one of those. Apparently r- this filter that came in this Cascadia must be uh, actually a little too small. But keep in mind, we did give it an extra 100 horsepower. But, uh,
0: yeah. Wow. That's pretty restrictive for a new filter. And the thing about a, a paper filter is they start getting worse on day one.
2: Mm-hmm
0: soon as they start now they get more efficient at trapping dirt but sometimes that brand new filter that's restricting flow is also allowing dirt in in the beginning we see higher numbers when you change your filter that filter is designed so as it starts to collect dirt it becomes more efficient at filtering but it gets worse at airflow
1: that's right
0: now here's my second one
1: this is a Mac two thousand seven C H six thirteen. All's gravel and rock and stuff and over north of you, but up in Canada. So needless to say it can't come to Pittsburgh either. And it's a father and son, small fleet. And they've had this truck for a long time, but nobody wants to drive it because it has very low power, even though it's claiming 1,800-foot-pound torque. So keep in mind, it's EGR engine. He has sent me pictures of the air filter. Now, he's trying to find out what the CFM of that is because it's stuck right above the engine. But you should see. This is the worst exhaust system I have ever seen in my 45 years. That's saying a lot. Yes, comes out of the right side, crosses over with a 90 degree under the drive shaft, comes out above the fuel tank with a 90, and then another 90 into a small resonator, and then a T. I can't see what goes from the T, because one goes to each stack. This is bull exhaust truck, straight stacked, but the little resonator, (laughs) they stuck underneath. (laughs) If I had to guess, I'm gonna say there's, there's about nine or 10 90 degree elbows in this exhaust system. And remember, each 90, and these are short radius too, not long radius. Each 90 degree elbow is equivalent to 13 feet of straight. Wow. So, this for Mac has tremendous restriction. So, I said, just take all the exhaust piping off when you have a mess like this. And then you go and you buy 5 inch, 90 degree, and 45 degree short radius and long radius. Uh, Are you familiar with short radius versus long radius elbows?
0: Well, I, I understand what it means, but I didn't realize there were differences. I, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, right. but I didn't know 90, they existed. A, you can buy a big 90-degree sweeping,
1: such as what you'd see on a 379 when the exhaust goes down. Okay. Off the turbo, there's a 90, and then it goes down, and there's a large diameter 90. You can take a small diameter 90, and fit it on the inside curve of the large radius, 90 degree. And 45s are the same way, so you always want, when you're working, uh, you want to go with 45s, long radius, if you have to, then you go to short radius, and if you have to use a 90, you try to use a long radius, but sometimes you just can't. So whenever I was building exhaust systems, I would go, the brake drumming equipment and I would get a handful of uh, short radius, long radius, 45s and 90s and some clamps and I would start right at the turbo and work my way back and I would clamp it all together as I went but I wasn't going to have all these clamps on there so then we would mark it with a marker where we want the two elbows like if you have a 45 going one way and a 45 going the other just put a line on there where you want to weld it and then we would weld a lot of the sections together so you don't end up with, with nine or 10 clamps. Got it. And build his own system, and then I want them to contact. I I haven't talked to Grand Rock east of Cleveland for a while, but they made like an auger that you could put down in your pipe and it act as a muffler. And then put the augers down in these straight
0: pipes. Boy, I haven't heard the air filter. Haven't heard that name in a long time. Grand Rock, forgot all about them. Yeah, Grand
1: Rock, almost your neighbor. Yeah, and then then we're going to have fade Air build us a filter for this thing.
0: Ah, there you go. Good. You know, it's uh, man, my last. Real quick on that one. It's it's too bad you can't get that one in the shop. I'd love to test that. That back pressure on the system now, and then see how low you're able to get it when you design a better system. I'm going to ask Ben to save all these pieces
1: and to put them together outside of the truck so that we can see it. <laughs> put it on a website because there you go. <laughs> whoever designed this thing should, like uh, my dad would say, design one more and quit. <laughs> there you go. Now. You know, I attract a lot of people that think way outside the button. And it's been this way for a long time. But we have a fellow down in West Virginia by the name of George Legg. And uh, he's an interesting guy. He used to be an operating engineer on freighters. So he's been all over the world on these freighters. And when you sit and talk to him, you can see he's really... Deep into his thoughts. But here's what he's doing with a big cam. He takes the camshaft and he cuts it in two. Turns it 180 degrees and re-welds it. So instead of having a firing order, one, five, three, six, two, four, his firing order now is one, six, five, two three, four. He's firing two pistons at the same time.
0: Boy, that's thinking outside the box.
1: That is really
0: outside yeah. the box. The problem is, is trying to get a starter to make this thing start.
1: And it's in an old paystar, so that even makes it harder to work on. But uh, Anyway, we'll keep you informed. He's going to try to get it to our dyno sometime later in October to see what it does. He thinks it's going to make tremendous power because you have two injectors
0: firing at the same time. It'll be interesting. It's definitely interesting. Hard to even get my head around how that's working. Well, think about it.
1: The firing order is 153624. So if you cut the camshaft in half between number three and number six,
0: injector lobe. Right. And you
1: turn it hundred
0: and eighty uh, degrees. Now you've lined it up. Yeah, they're they are hitting two cylinders at once now. How was? yeah, that's, at the same that's time. Wow. Somebody spent some time thinking about that one.
1: <laughs> oh, this guy's a thinker. Yeah. Whenever you're talking on the phone, you better uh, plan to set some time aside. <laughs> he's, he's interesting. All right. So, and then when we start talking about freighters in different places in the world and, and how the freighters operate, oh man, then it really gets heavy, so. Yeah, I'll bet. All right.
0: What else? Hey, I had a guy
1: call me. His wife has a 1.4 liter Honda. In her car, and they put catalyst in it, and didn't tell her. She'd come home, and said, "Honey, what'd you do to my car? <laughs> it runs so much better." <laughs> Whatever you did, you keep doing. So, we're getting a lot of stories of catalyst and gasoline, and the difference that it's making. Good. It's kind Good. of shocking whenever yeah. you think it wasn't designed for that. And Dwayne Erke up in Wisconsin was the first person to put it in gasoline,
0: and uh, he, he just did it. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> okay.
3: That's
1: what I have.
0: All right. Let's Let's uh, let's find out who's on the other line. Pete, good morning. Sure. Uh, Pete,
4: that's up for a sec.
0: Oh, wait, you got Pete coming. There he is. I'm here. Oh, there we go. Hey, it hey, sounds, like, sounds like you guys are all huddled you in the bathroom. Oh, we're huddled in the bathroom? That's what it sounds we're like. Not. All right. Jordan just, isn't here to help you
5: put the board. Is oh, that
0: Got it. Now, we'll, right. we'll manage. Try to stay as close to we're the mics, the however that works, because it sounds like you're a long way away and there's, like, echo. So, all right. Uh, uh, it's okay. We'll manage. Pete, what do you got this morning? <laughs>
6: Okay, so a couple things. Uh, So last week we talked about
5: the electro fuel, where they're making hydrogen to run a kind of a clean engine. So I got a uh, a text from my nephew, he's an engineer student at Slippery Rock, of a guy in Canada called Edison Motors, and they're trying to use a small diesel engine to generate electricity to, to charge batteries to run the electric motors for the wheels kind of like a train right mm-hmm. so what they're using is a 3306 cat which i think is like a 10 liter engine uh to do this and we looked into that years ago lucy uh, looked into this where we figured if you could take a smaller liter engine and then run it at a steady rpm because that's just making electricity it doesn't go up and down like you're driving, slowing down, speeding up, everything would be more efficient. But what we found was you needed, if you needed a 15 liter engine to move your product, you still needed a 15 liter engine to do the work to charge the batteries, um, because you go from AC to DC back to AC again. You just you need a lot that way. So they have a, a video. It's Edison Motors and, and in a logging truck. Now, what they were thinking is, they're in BC Canada, they go up empty, they're using the batteries, coming back down, to you go know, they loaded, and then you're going to charge the batteries through the braking to see if it works. So it's am curious to see how it works. I'll be surprised if it does, but it's, it's something that might get a really look into
4: it that just, you know, didn't add up to be efficient.
5: Yeah, it it hey, and they're doing
1: this in a, in a like a 1971 KW. I'm wondering, Pete if you should uh, just call in on on a phone, like I'm on. Yeah, and get away from that headset because it's really Hello? sounds like you're, like you're way down the hallway. Or Leroy, yeah, Leroy, it's... can you make some adjustments to that set? Uh, are we back?
0: Yeah, Leroy, you sound pretty yeah. good right now. Pete sounded like you. I sound good about Pete. Well, you, you're you're kind of in and out because that didn't sound so great. Are you guys actually on headsets? Great. Yeah. Really? Huh. Something's way. Yeah, off. I don't know what's uh, going on. I didn't. I didn't touch anything from what Jordan did, but yeah. See, right there, you sound good. Whatever you're doing. Okay, Pete. It, well, I'm try not to, touching it. So. Pete, get your boom really close to your mouth. See if that helps.
5: It is as close as I can get.
0: Yeah, it's almost like it's we're picking better. you up on Ethan's mic, I swear. Can I say it again? It, it's, it's Leroy's better? Better? Uh, yeah, Leroy's. Um, huh. No, I'm it's, it's, I, I, I trying to think in my head what would make the headset sound like that, and the only thing... As if we're actually picking it up from the other mic. You sound that far away. Hmm. What's going on? Call in. Yeah, why don't um, yeah. Why don't uh, you just call in Pete on your phone?
5: And we'll do
0: that. All right. I'll call in. All right. Um, while we're waiting for that, Leroy, what do you got?
2: Well, besides
4: fighting with the uh, mixing board. Yeah. It <laughs> should be a simple electronic thing, but uh, there's a lot of knobs and switches, and <laughs> I don't know what any of it does.
0: So there are words I that, don't even know. That makes it a little more challenging. Although, and, I, I, and you, I, I'll I, be honest with you. I set all that up. I don't know what most of it does either. I just go by trial and error. Stick a plug in here. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Is that, can you hear me now? Nope, that doesn't work. Press this button. <laughs> Press it twice. No, that doesn't work. Sooner or later, something works.
4: And, and you know what's upsetting yeah, yeah. about it? it? Is that everything is in, like, abbreviations or, like, <laughs> jargon that you don't <laughs> right. understand. Right. Like, it's the, same, it's the same thing in trucks. Like, when you get, like, a fault code, somebody will, like, I pull up this fault code online, and it's, like, you know, exhaust gas recirculation recirculation valve, deviation
0: error, circuit high. I'm like,
4: what the hell does that <laughs> mean? Like, why can't they just say, like, well, EGR bells not
0: in the right place? Y- well, there you go. But whatever is going on with that board that I can't figure out from my end, now you sound horrible again. <laughs>
4: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, now you sound just like Pete did a little bit ago. Oh, Pete. Uh, what and,
4: happens when
0: Jordan
4: takes off. Yeah, it's really... I and,
0: have all the mics, so I sound any better. Yeah, that's that's... A little better, I think. Just try to stay close to the mic, I guess. I don't know. So I'm gonna bring Pete, Pete back in too. Okay. There you go, Pete. You're back.
5: Can you hear me, Kevin?
0: I can. And you sound much better. Did you now. Get anything oh like hey, hey, hold on. Pete, how you must be yes. standing really close to Leroy now. Damn. We're almost See, yeah. that's, see, we were picking you up on his mic because now I'm getting an echo because I'm hearing you through the phone and through his mic. Okay,
4: so I can go into the room.
0: Yeah, you're gonna have if to. I'll kick you out of
4: your
5: office. Are you in my office? No, but I'll go to your office.
6: Okay.
4: Uh, switch offices. in. Yeah, that's, I don't. I don't. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on with this today. Um, well, well, we'll manage. I, yeah, I was just going to say I could have you take a picture of the board, and I could probably figure it out from a picture. But I have a feeling we either have a ah, – I'm trying to remember that board. We either have a channel soloed out or we have uh, a channel muted, one of the two. But we'll, we'll manage. will
4: manage.
5: going
0: Bruce's office now, Kevin, is much any better. better? Much, much better, yes. Okay. Yeah, all right, we'll be all right. Um, hey, go ahead.
1: Hey, there's our yeah. customer in Florida that has the dump trucks? That when the hurricane's coming, he takes the dump trucks and he surrounds his house with them. Pete Falkenstern. Pete, Pete Balkenstern.
5: Yeah, so, it's like the old uh, out west when they did the, uh, the Indians were coming in. Uh, <laughs> circle the goes, wagons. Surrounded it. what yeah. he does.
0: Yeah, circled the around
1: wagons. his house. Huh. Uh, I need to give him a call to see how he how he cared through this last hurricane and if it saved his house because of the pictures that he sent me in the last hurricane. You couldn't even see the roof of his house because it's lower than the top of the dump trucks.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Florida, kind of I might as well throw this in now. Um, every time we have a major hurricane like this with a lot of flooding, be careful when you buy vehicles for the next year. Make sure you run, if it's a truck, make sure you run the rig dig report. <laughs> if it's a car, you can run uh, Carfax. But it, those many of those vehicles that are flooded out are going to find their way back onto the market. flooded back on the market Yeah, like you did there yeah i saw that (laughs) all right uh pete back to uh back to your topic i don't remember what year it was for some reason i'm thinking like 2015 2016 they had a truck just like this at louisville and it was even in the same section we were it wasn't that far away from us so i kept wandering over there and looking at it they had used, like, uh, I'm going to say it was like a six or a seven liter, and it was a John Deere engine. Same setup, though. And, I, you know, I kept looking at it and thinking, it just doesn't make sense. I know they do this with trains, but it, it that's a whole different world. Uh, this just doesn't make sense to me. And they were making all kinds of claims about how much money it was going to save, and I I started really digging hard and I said, look, I'll lease this truck from you. If any price just you know a couple months, I want to see how this thing works in the real world. And I couldn't get him to commit to anything. And then at the end of the show, I just happened to notice when everybody was packing up, they didn't even drive that truck. It went on a flatbed. I doubt the thing even worked. Uh, that's been attempted so many times I can't believe anybody's still trying that.
1: That was a T two thousand Kenworth. I stared at that too for many hours. Yeah. not many hours, but it, it was. And it just was because we were trying to do the same thing with the Laterno equipment in Plainview, Texas.
0: Yeah, it was. It was close enough there that I kept wandering over and looking at it and thinking, "Well, maybe they're onto something here," but uh, not mm-hmm. so much. I, I I just don't think you it know. Seems I, like it would make sense. But it, it, it just doesn't work. You know, sounds
5: good on paper, but in reality, it's just not going to work.
0: You know, I, I think what what's really happening because if you look at the other thing that they tried, they tried just taking all of the load off the diesel engine itself. Uh, Cat, I, I think it was Cat and Peter built, and uh, there were a couple other big companies involved. So they just said the only thing the diesel engine will turn is the drive shaft. Everything else is going to come off and we'll run it off electricity. And they thought that would make the, the truck so much more efficient. It didn't really work. Now we're trying to use a diesel engine to produce electricity, and that doesn't really work. And I think the reason is that electric just really isn't that much more efficient than diesel. So why build a truck that has both? I mean, pick one or the other, but I just don't think electric, Electricity or electricity or electric components like this are are efficient enough to make up the difference of the loss in converting and and why build something this complicated? I just I just don't think there's going to be a gain there. Nope, I agree. I don't think it's going to be. It's not a game changer.
1: Laterno says that their front end loaders are thirty three percent more economical than like a typical cat or these people that make the green machines, Williams. Uh, W.W. Williams. But anyway, uh, their top speed though is 10 or 15 miles per hour and they have the motor in the wheel. So the electric motor is in the wheel. And when we were trying to duplicate this for an on-highway truck, the problem was gearing. Right, right. And we, you know, you have to gear it low enough to start, but there's no way to shift it whenever the motor is in the wheel. So we were going to have the electric motor in front of the transmission. So you still have the transmission, right? So we would have the engine. We were going to use a C12 Cat or an M11 Cummins, turning the generator to make the electricity, and that was be so-
0: let, let, let's think about this for right. a second, though, Bruce. If, if Let's go back and think about when we were using the M11 to move the truck down the road. We weren't getting killer fuel economy out of those things. They were horrible. I mean, you were lucky if you could get six and a half out of an M11 in a Class 8 truck. So if the engine itself well, the, isn't, it, it, isn't big enough to be fuel-efficient throwing in electric is just going to make it that much less efficient.
1: Well, the thing is, whenever it's running the generator, it's going to run it at a given output. That's true. Yeah. The diesel engine is most fuel efficient right. at a given output. And that's why we say when you're in slight rolling grades, you look at that boost gauge, you turn off that cruise control, and you hold that right foot steady and let's say it's going to take 12 pounds to go up the grade and down the grade and up the grade this is this is can be in Ohio by the way Ohio is not that flat as you're crossing the Turnpike in Ohio. And you just hold that throttle steady. You'll lose a few mile an hour going up, but you're going to make it up going down. But you're holding the boost steady, and then you gain your efficiency. Now, now when you're in bigger rolling hills like Interstate 80 in Western Iowa, that's a roller coaster there.
0: Now it's a different way of driving. So... <sighs> Would this be addressed, this idea of trying to keep the diesel engine running at a consistent RPM as much as possible? Weren't they playing around with like constant velocity transmissions for a while? Isn't that the problem? Isn't it? We have a, a drive line where the RPM are all over the place. Every time it shifts, we have big changes in RPM. I know there were some drive lines along the years that they said were going to be so efficient and then they disappeared.
1: The company was in Waco, Texas, I flew down, had several meetings with them, and the problem was the transmission that they had designed was needed, it needed another engine to turn a part of it. So now we are going to have a pony engine behind (laughs) the cab.
0: Yeah, this is getting complicated.
1: After two meetings with that flying down to Dallas and then driving down to Waco, I decided I'm going to walk away from this one. And then I had another one in Salt Lake and they had a larger version for in the windmills. Mm. Because as you drive by the wind farms and you see all the windmills that aren't turning, it's because the transmission can't take the gust of wind and it snaps the transmission. So there was gonna be a variable speed transmission they had. And and they had a really neat uh, setup and several of us flew out there for uh, the meeting, but there was no funding. And then they said, well, Bruce, you fund
0: it. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, stop. Come on. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so,
1: so before I get involved in any crazy things like this anymore, I said, well, what kind of money is behind
0: this? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it takes a lot, clearly.
1: It's millions.
0: Yeah, so, yeah.
1: There's lots of ideas, but it takes millions to make them practical. Yep. Yep. And it's not like when we when we were young and racing, and we would uh, make make a lot of our own parts. So,
6: but All right.
0: anyway, Does anybody have anything else? No. Ready for some questions? All right. Let's uh, let's get started in Nebraska. Brad, welcome to the program.
3: Morning, gentlemen. Say, I got a 5EK Caterpillar and a 97, Pete. I was wanting to know more about the coolant samples that Pete talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, what about <clears> them? <throat> Is, be- Is it beneficial to do a free engine?
0: <sighs> you know, I-, I like testing, and I'd like to know what's going on, but honestly, if you look at the number of problems we have with coolant we really don't have big problems if you don't see a problem or if you don't suspect a problem or we don't see some sort of a coolant issue in an oil sample or I don't think I would randomly test coolant I I just I really don't see the need If, if you see a problem if the coolant really starts looking funky or we have other cooling issues maybe then as a troubleshooting step But as just a general preventative maintenance, I don't know that it's worth it. I have two samples
1: a friend of mine sending me. They're in uh, 3412 cats in a marine application. And I should have those in the next couple weeks to send them in. And so maybe in about a month, ask that question. And I'll let you know what what it looks like, because I've never seen an analysis on coolant. So that'll be the first one. And the the 3412 is basically two of your five EKs joined together at the crankshaft.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so I have seen coolant samples. We've used them over the years, but we we really use them to troubleshoot. You know, there's a problem with the coolant. We know there's a problem. We we can't figure out what the problem is. But... (sighs) We just don't see enough coolant-related issues that you would catch it sooner in a sample. I just—it just It just doesn't seem to me like the odds are all that great that if you did have a problem, you were going to catch it. So I've really never recommended them as just a general maintenance thing. If you have a problem and we can't figure it out, sometimes the, the sample helps. Yeah. No, there's
3: no problem with it. I just... I know you got quite an investment under there, and I want to do everything it can to make it last as long as possible.
0: Yeah, like, like I said, if I thought we would pick up some problem just on a random test, and we'd pick it up in time to save us a bunch of money, well, then I'd say, okay, let's do it. But how many times do we see trucks on the side of the road because of a coolant problem? Usually when there's a coolant problem... It doesn't leave you stranded. Usually I have plenty of warnings. Something's going wrong. and We get it in and we look at it. And if we need to sample then to figure it out, we can. But it just seems to me like just pulling random samples on coolant hasn't done much good.
1: It's interesting to see one, though. I'd yeah. like to see one. They are interesting. What, what yeah. It says.
0: Yeah. They are interesting. Yeah, I'd like to
1: see what
0: it says. Yeah. Um, I'm not nearly as By good way, at, at reading those. I usually have to sit down with those and go back to, they have some charts and some other things that can help and some articles. So when I read one of those, I usually have to go back and kind of get out the book to figure out what I'm looking at. Cause I just haven't looked at that many of them over the years. See so, you know, that
1: 5EK cat, that was like the first true electronic one, and that was a great engine. Uh, it had the least amount of uh, government influence in the ECM. And i tell you, with our manifold and turbo damper and balancer on a the program, they're a great running engine, the 5EKs.
0: Yeah, it is. Oh, I'm
3: pretty happy with it right now at 550. I don't have a turbo, but I have everything else for it. Or, or a program, I guess, either, but.
0: Good, all right, anything I we can push and, help, anything else?
3: I have a fuel pressure question.
0: Sure, go ahead. What,
3: are pushing about 85, 90 PSI. I was wondering if that's pretty normal, and my gauge jumps around a lot. Is there any way we can steady that out? You can
1: steady that out. Can you see the tube that brings the pressure to the gauge? Is it stratoflex, or is it copper, or is it plastic? Uh,
3: uh, I'd say it's more of an aeroquip, but...
1: Aeroquip, okay. We do have a snubber that we use on our fuel pressure gauges. And you could probably put that snubber on because pressure it, it pulsates when it comes off of a pump. It's like, like it's like shooting, and so this damper takes that out. If you're ever working like with a boost gauge and you can't get it to settle down, and you're feeding with the eight-inch plastic tubing, you make what's called a pigtail. You know how a pigtail bends. Well, you take a, like a two-inch piece of exhaust pipe and wrap it around there a few times and then wire tie it together, and that helps to take pulsations out.
0: You where's where's have, uh... your gauge
5: at on this truck? I mean, not in the gauge itself, but where does it plug into the engine? Sometimes if you move that, if it's close to the uh, intake port, you're going to notice it a little bit more. You're going to pick up the port's the valves opening and closing. And I know on um, N14C cams, it it's down this low, it makes it worse, yeah. I put it up a little higher. You say fuel pressure or um, pressure. boost pressure?
3: It's a fuel, fuel pressure and it's on the primary, right next to the hand pump.
5: Oh, okay, I thought you said boost pressure. So in mm. that case, we do our snubbers would work fine for that. We have yes. a, a snubber, you, you, you put that in line, that'll take that
7: right mm. out.
3: All right, well then, I'll have to get one. But eighty-five psi is a good number to be running.
8: Yeah, on, my, that, on that
4: side of the pump is fine. Yeah, we usually when we have them on the dyno, we measure them um, on the other side, and anything below like sixty-five, we start to see an issue with. So.
1: So at 85 and 90, he's okay, Leroy? Yeah, he's good there. Uh, Caterpillar, according
4: to their documentation, say you're fine down to like 40 PSI, which is a lie. I mean, if you had 40 <laughs> PSI fuel pressure, you have no power. Uh, we start to see drop-offs below like 60, 58, stuff like that. We
0: usually just replace the check valve if you're, uh, if you're falling uh, below our, 65. Our favorite term, factory spec. Yeah, It's within that's spec.
5: It's, it's broken, <laughs> so right. yeah, it's no good. That's you right. It.
0: All right. All right,
3: well, that's everything I had for today.
0: All right, that'll do it. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to California. Jamie, welcome to the program. Hey,
6: good morning, guys. Hey, real quick, Jamie,
0: don't mean to inter- interrupt you, but I just saw this. Uh, Matt just sent me a text. Uh, he says he's been doing a coolant sample every year, and he's never seen anything that you know to worry about or do anything about. That's really what we kind of figured out, is that it, even once a year, which isn't all that often, we weren't picking anything up most of the time. So uh, I don't recommend him other than to troubleshoot. Uh, Jamie, go ahead.
6: Yeah, um, I sent over
0: an um, oil sample. Oh, let me go see what we've got here. Here we go. Uh-oh. Different lab. Give me a second. What does that say? This oil has plenty of ZDDP present in the zinc. Yeah,
6: I uh, with this oil sample I sent in on the comment section, because I have about... Uh, I have an old classic car, okay. which I, um, I bought, I bought about 34 ounce or six ounce bottles of ZDDP, the zinc additive. And that's what I use. And I asked if I can throw one of those at the oil change, you know, if it would hurt. And uh, those are the comments that they got back to me
0: with. Yeah. You know, you're already using the oil that has more zinc in it than almost any other oil on the market that I'm aware of. Um, which is Rotella? Uh, Rotella is a great oil for a lot of reasons. That's one of them. I don't think I would spend any money on an additive. I, I really just don't see the need. Okay. I, I don't. I, I don't know what it would now, do or solve.
6: Now, my concern with this oil sample, uh, they told me that the lead was at seven, and this oil was changed at twenty-one thousand seven
0: eighty-three. Yeah, that and, is uh, that is I a little. Little concerning. How many miles do we have on the engine itself?
6: On the engine at the time of the oil sample, it had a seven
0: fifty five six forty eight. Is that on original or on an inframe? On the original engine. Okay, so I wouldn't be expecting any bearing wear at this point, but seven is a little concerning. It's not high enough that we would say for sure you've got real bearing wear going on. You're, all you can do with that is really wait and see what happens on the next sample. Did you change the oil?
6: I changed the oil at, uh, right now the truck has 757 and nine eighty nine. So that's about 3,000 miles since the oil changed are coming up to 3,000. But I, w- I was thinking of pulling an early oil sample, maybe say a seven or ten. What do you recommend? No,
0: I would in I for, I I'd wait till twenty. This isn't a a, a problem for. that we would worry about. Like it's it, you know, we need to know right away what's going on. I would wait till twenty because it's a better comparison. At at ten thousand miles we're gonna be mm-hmm. guessing about how much should be in there. So I would just go to twenty. It, it, it's very possible that lead's just going to drop back down. Once in a while, we see a little bump like that. That that may be all this is.
6: Okay. Yeah, that was it. You know, I just had a little concern about this. So I said, well, I'm going to go ahead
0: and email and see. Yeah. If it can no, come up this, this one's dumb. fine. And yeah. I, I, I would not spend the money on that additive. Okay.
1: Well,
0: cool. Thank you That's very much. That's all I have. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to New Jersey. Bob, welcome to the program.
9: Hey, guys. Are you having a good day?
0: I am. Yeah, well, I'm the only one I that matters. It's so. a rainy here. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the way I am in my world. That's
9: right. Um, you guys got me thinking. My mind's been going on about these electric trucks, and I'm thinking, can I put my 10-kilowatt generator on one of those electric trunks? trucks in a 50-gallon uh, tank and just charge my batteries while I'm sleeping at
0: night. Uh, no. You could, but it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. You, you can do it. and everybody, you know, My generator only burns a half a gallon an hour. <laughs> you, yeah, but if you look at the amount of, I don't know what, should I probably do this in amps, the, uh, the amperage required to charge those batteries is a lot. It's a lot that's, of power needed that's what I was to it's
9: 20 yeah, or 440.
0: It, it it just requires a lot of power to charge batteries. This idea that we're just going to throw a little, you know, uh, Honda generator on something well, and charge our I'm, batteries I'm isn't going to happen.
9: Driver. I got
0: 16 hours a day to charge in batteries. It's still not enough. <laughs> still not enough. Really,
9: it, I'm, it, I'm, it yeah, you know, my mind's just thinking, okay, I can put out 220
0: with that thing. Let's see. How long does it take to charge this book? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just uh, – and, and then the other problem is you're now becoming inefficient again with all the conversions you're making. Like, wait, are you going to run a gas generator? Because it. gas generators aren't as efficient well, no, diesel. as diesel. Okay, that's a little better. Oh, I got
9: diesel. It's a diesel generator on there, so, you know. But the reason it works with trains is because they move so much weight. C-
0: correct. It's a whole different world.
9: There's, yeah, there's a payoff so, in the long run because they work, move so much tonnage. Right. That the conversion loss and the diesel consumption makes it worth it. Yep. At the cost per mile to move that tonnage. Yep, you are correct. And, so, and, and, and until we can pull triple trains, it won't work in trucks. Y- yeah. If the, if this were ever going answer, to work, the right answer is it,
0: nuclear. Y- well, there you go. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen. But you know, if if this were you know, ever the, going to work, that you would have you would think that maybe they would try it down in Australia in the outback.
9: Right? I'm still wondering why we're not using magnetic bearings in these things to reduce resistance.
0: Who knows? Lots of things have been tried. Some oh, work, some don't. But I I think the um, the the Diesel over electric is that idea for trucks just dead. I, I don't see any future for that at all.
9: <laughs> Tongue in cheek.
0: Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Hey, I need but you would be shocked at how many times I get the email about why don't we just throw a generator on these cars and they'll charge themselves? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just make California happy. Yeah, General exactly.
9: Run electric and burn diesel. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly.
9: That's what they're doing anyway.
0: Yeah, we're using coal and then thinking this is such a great idea.
9: Yeah. Uh, you know. I'm in, and Bruce, I've talked to you before. I sent you guys pictures of the cylinder, my cylinders on my twelve seven. I sent them to you, Kevin, on samples at Let's Truck. Okay. okay. So Bobs called seven, and I sent something to you, Bruce, at brucem@b at dot uh, com. Okay. How long ago did you got, send me those? In I just sent them again this morning. I sent them to the general one here a while back. Remember, my truck went down in Wyoming, put me out of business. Put my the mm-hmm. on hold. Had to go get a company job. Did you and
1: put the H? Did you put an H after Pittsburgh? Uh, You know what? P-I-T-T-S-B-U-R-G-H
9: Because I don't have them. I probably didn't. Did you get
0: them? I'm looking through my email. I didn't get anything. (laughs) Okay.
9: Well, they're wiped out pretty bad. And I've got a lot of rust and stuff on top of the cylinders. My, I went home and I, I thought maybe it was just a head gasket. I had to wait a week to get the special tool to pull those long bolts, that long 12 millimeter tool. And they got me a cylinder kit or a tool to pull the cylinders. Once I pull these cylinders, because my plan now is drive a company truck, buy the parts and put her back together. Um, I'm still trying to get my trailer home from Wyoming and when I get these cylinders out I'm trying to work and then go home and work on it a few days when I have time off what am I looking for in that block before I start rebuilding it and I'm thinking I'm probably I'll just take everything out start with from the crank app.
1: Pete, do you know more about the caveats of the twelve seven? They get miles on them more so than me.
5: Okay, so where we're seeing issues with the the, the life of the the twelve seven block, uh, would be the decking? Uh, sometimes you can't take enough material off to clean it up; and it's below spec. And we do have an oversized head gasket for that if it's not needed too much needed to take off. Uh, the other area which is even more of a concern is the lower packing area, and that's the area where the overings on the liner touch the block. And because the liner is moved, the bottom of the cylinder. they erode there. And once that occurs, if they get bad enough, you would then leak coolant into the oil pan. And once that's there, the block's just done. Uh, there's no repair for it. Uh, when we see that, we end up getting a what we call a three-quarter engine from Detroit, Detroit. Which, when we've been getting them, uh, it appears to have new blocks in them. And that's the problem. These are fantastic engines, but the blocks are simply seeing their life.
9: The like $20,000, though, for a three-quarter engine, aren't you? Uh, I think they're up to about twenty-seven now.
5: Yeah. They're not cheap, but you're getting a lot for your money, I think.
9: I think it's a good value. Right. Uh, so, I'm trying to just buy the parts and put it together without going in debt to do it again.
5: Yeah, and like I said, it, if the lower packing's fine, the deck surface isn't bad, then that's fine. But if either one is bad, you're going to spend that yeah, money for nothing and still have problems. And it's hard to find a good used Detroit block.
9: Well, this engine only had 275,000 on it, just over 275 when it went down. And I'd been doing oil samples. Um, I don't know if you remember it or not. When I called you on one of the oil samples, Kevin, you told me that uh, it's probably one of those blocks that ain't going to go a million miles. Well, I took it in to get that old oil out, and they found the oil on the plug and or metal, and I'm like, let's find out where it's coming from they went through the run end. Then they uh, dropped the pan, had some wear on the mains and rods, so I was like, they want me to roll a set in, and I'm like, yeah, roll a set in. Then I got out there and lost oil pressure. But the whole time, I never did have any coolant showing up in the oil samples or anything like that. It was just wear metals. And I do know when I pulled the injectors out, they... uh, the little kit that they put on the injectors with a little O ring on the bottom and extra O ring. They didn't put that mm-hmm. back in there when they put those put this motor back together. And from the look of look of the uh, pistons for that mileage, they were just basically corroded. I wish the pictures would come through so you guys could see that. Um, it makes me wonder. If, you know, if I wasn't getting coolant or anything or water in the oil. That should have been pretty sealed would it have showed up in that time and I haven't got the cylinders out I had to go to work make some money so I ordered the tool to pull the cylinders, but I haven't got them drop dropped the piss or pulled the cylinders out yeah and to I'm
1: gonna, I, I want Pete to talk more about that lower packing isn't there isn't there two sleeves here? Pete, isn't there a, a, a colon port between the two?
5: There is. So Detroit does something a little different than Cat and Cummins. You have two O-rings. They, they all run two O-rings, but in between the two O-rings, Detroit has a hole in, in the block that would give you an indication that we've got a bad O-ring. It's going to start seeping out, out of there. Hopefully, you'll catch up before it starts seeping into the uh, engine. So, on a CAT or a Cummins, uh, one O ring can go bad and you really won't know it until the second O ring goes bad and you now have diesel fuel, or, I mean, uh, antifreeze in your oil. Okay. So, that's a nice now, that's- telltale sign. Now, the problem is we don't see that happen a lot, but if you spend that money to do a rebuild and this occurs two, three years down the road, that's a lot of money spent for a short lived engine.
9: That's the little weep hole on the side of the block, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. where that pressure goes that. And when, it, when mm-hmm. it lost oil pressure, it blew the plug out of that seat pole, and I was losing cooling out of, that, out of the side of it. Oil on, oil it probably cooked the,
5: um, I wonder if it got hot at the cylinders, and it, um, it, it O-Ring got it hot, hot and it let it it go, go, yeah.
1: Pete, yeah. the problem with that type of lower counterboard, the machine shop has trouble putting the two sleeves in, Correct. Correct.
5: On a Caterpillar, we'll have our local machine shop, uh, bore that out, and put an insert in it, and it's a good repair, it works fine. We don't see this with a N14 or NTC, that just it doesn't exist there. It has to some extent, but it's repairable. Uh, we, we did some fooling around with the 12-7s, and that it. repair it just doesn't work. That's now, you won't really know so what it looks like until that. you get it apart. And if it looks fine, right. then it's it's a non-issue and continue with the in-frame. But if if the bore is bad, then it's not going to do any good to put – again, it might work for a while and buy you some time, but you're not going to get full service life out of that engine that way.
9: Right. And there's no sense spending the money on all the parts if I'm going to – I mean, I'm already looking at a a kit. If I'm going to do it. I'd like to put the ceramic pistons back in it. Go ahead and upgrade the cam, and put a new head on it. Because the head I can tell was re- redone. It you you can almost see the cracks in the cylinders. And then Oops. it's got coils and everything else in it. So it's like, man, this this head was probably my part of my big part of my problem.
1: So why do you want to upgrade? The camshaft, that D-deck-4 um, cam
9: is a good cam. It's not a D-deck-4, it's a twelve seven, ninety two twelve seven. 92 12/7. I was thinking the marine cam and injectors, upgrading the cam and injectors. Oh, like this, a is a 4, 2. this is a
1: 1992 D-deck-2. This is an old D-deck-2. Yes. Ooh. Oh, man. I think you ought to save your money and convert it to a D-Deck 4. I would not invest money in a D-Deck 2.
9: Well, that new engine bolt up? Yes. It bolt up the same yeah. mounts and everything? Yeah.
1: Move up to a D-Deck 4, get away from that too.
9: I've even thought about even just trying to get something more modern and put the different emissions on it so I can go to California with it.
1: There you go. Go 2014 and newer and do the diesel force cleaning on it. Have the DPF cleaned by a DPF alternatives and run the catalyst in it, the max mileage catalyst, and you'll run trouble free and now you're set.
9: Well, if I do that, then I need to kind of find something with the emission system and everything already on it, though, don't
0: I? Oh, wait, hey, wait, wait. When you say you want something more modern, you're not talking about putting a newer engine in this truck, are you? Yeah. Yeah, don't do that.
9: I don't want to get rid of my truck. I love my truck.
0: Yeah, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> do oh, I, thought that, you yeah. I thought you wanted to buy a, it's a
9: newer 377, truck. Huh? So, right. No, it's a 377. It's not pretty decent aerodynamics. So I've got a big bunk on it. And it's, my I mean, I'm 58. I just want a truck to last me the rest of my life. And I don't want to go quarter million dollars in debt to have a truck that my wife and I can run around the
0: country and make a lot of money in. Yeah, the, the answer yeah. isn't trying to put a new engine in, in an old truck. <laughs>
6: Uh, yeah, the d
1: deck deck four wouldn't be bad. Right. That would be an easy right. conversion. The D deck four from the D deck two. But don't try to put in an emissions engine in it. Yeah, don't that'd be a mess. Right. Yeah,
9: be Stay with the so that's that's what I was saying. If it weren't with emissions, you'd have to have everything to put in the truck and you oh, know, yeah, you
0: you don't, know, don't even know. think that uh, way. Don't do right. Don't even think that way. <laughs>
4: That's something
9: I would do, don't be me. You know what? My little S10, I was was popping freeze plugs, and I pulled the motor to rebuild the motor, and while I had it off, I did all the suspension on the truck and redid everything. (laughs)
10: Yeah.
9: Yeah. Pretty much rebuilt the whole darn truck from the ground up. And now you have a new S10, huh? uh, Pretty much, yep. I got a new mm-hmm. S10 with a three uh, quarter three fifty engine in it.
0: <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, that's all right. Let's uh, let's move on. We're going to head off to Illinois this time. John, welcome to the program.
10: Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. I had a question for Bruce, and then I had some comments about the uh, fuel catalyst. Uh, I'll tell Bruce what I got here. It's a 386 glider. Got a 12.7 Detroit D-Deck 4. I've got fleet air filter. I've got your exhaust manifold. I've got a 702 uh, non-waste gate turbo. I've got my probe on the cold side of the turbo. And I've got your performance exhaust or performance muffler on it. And I was wondering how much it would lower my exhaust temperature if I put a blanket on the turbo and wrapped a few feet of the exhaust with uh, header wrap.
1: Hmm. How much would it lower your exhaust temperature with a turbo boot? Um... And they have a wrap. I don't know. I can't answer that one. It drops much, but
5: more importantly, is the throttle response you get. Because when you back out of the throttle, normally the turbo's going to slow down. Being that we're keeping that area hot, that will keep spinning. So I think what you would notice would be when you back out of the throttle and feed back into it, better response. You might even pick up a pound or two of boost. Um, Temperature-wise, I've never had anyone comment back that they noticed a drop in temperature. And then, of course, you're keeping the under-the-hood temperatures down. And if you got right. an air cleaner under the hood, that's even a bigger benefit then.
10: Right. Yeah, it is a little slow spooling, uh, this 702 is. So that, that would definitely help it. Yes, i've i've got about everything you guys suggest putting on this one and uh out of all the 12 sevens i've ever owned it's by far the best running one it's uh it dynoed with 676 to the ground and and getting great fuel mileage Wow! wow But <laughs> quite a bit of horsepower yeah yeah and, and- 7.83 you know for 90 day average ain't ain't too bad uh, it's I, I think everything is dialed in pretty good on it at the
1: 795 horsepower <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty stout for a little 127 you know I,
10: i've got a, some comments about the fuel catalyst i i put i ran two gallons of it you know, so that's a pretty long span, uh, and I, I, if it made any difference in fuel mileage or performance, I couldn't notice it at all. But I've got an old 1977 International Loadstar ten-wheel dump truck that I just haul my own gravel. You know, it ain't, I ain't doing it for a living in it, and uh, it's got a 446 gas engine in it. It's got a five and four transmission. And I've owned this thing for quite a while, and so I know how it pulls. So I thought, you know, I'll put some in it and see, you know, you can always use a little extra power and something like that. I'll come out of the rock quarry with 17-ton on it, and there's a pretty good grade coming out of the rock quarry. And if somebody would have told me this, I'd probably say they were lying, but I gained two years coming out of the rock quarry since I started using the fuel catalyst.
1: And the gasoline. In gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Sometimes it's pretty shocking. You know, you always have to remember sometimes it's not the engine, it's the fuel. And when you're chasing problems and those that aren't using the max mileage catalyst, buy a gallon. My God, it's cheaper than paying thousands of dollars in labor and changing injectors and ECMs and different things. Just try the catalyst because most of the time, it's not the engine; it's the fuel. I've and got a that. Uh, that old gas job is was made for leaded fuel, and uh, we don't have that anymore. Right, so right. older older vehicles with gasoline love the catalyst. But you know, there was a guy in Washington D.C. with one of those M M five series BMWs, five hundred and four horsepower, and his daughter. 16 years old, she had her learner's permit. This was two or three years ago. And he had put the catalyst in his BMW, and he say he's not gonna tell his wife and his daughter. The next time the daughter, she doesn't even have a driver's license, she has a learner's permit. She's driving the BMW. She said, Dad, what'd you do to the BMW? It runs a whole lot better. <laughs> well
10: i i believe it because it, uh, i have an 05 duramax also that we go riding in our side besides quite a bit we got a toy hauler and we go to the same place several times down in arkansas so i know where i'm going to stop and get fuel at because i've done it several times and uh i put that catalyst in the duramax and down you know and it, it's a 28 foot toy hauler and it ain't real heavy. I just got one. Just got room for one machine in it. But uh, went down, and I know my my usual stops. That I always stop and get fuel at. I wound up running sixty five miles past that. I ran all the way home. I didn't even have to stop and get fuel.
1: Now keep in mind, the catalyst. The purpose was not make fuel mileage its purpose is to burn soot and carbon and it burns 70 percent more in the combustion chamber so it keeps the engine clean so even in this ultra high horsepower d-deck 4 you have when you burn it in there your exhaust system stays clean the turbo stays clean the piston the exhaust belts everything's clean that old
10: that 05 duramax it's you know it's an egr motor and And so, I I know it helped it a bunch. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. I've seen big improvements in between the dump truck and that. Uh, Could I – do you still recommend it? Because, I mean, I watch my – you know, every gallon, every mile, I I watch it pretty close. Uh, Would you suggest still one ounce to 25 gallons to this D-Deck 4 or maybe –
1: Yes, okay. no, no, don't, don't one, one ounce of 25. And remember, there's there's two things that wear out an engine. And one is the silicon, the, the fine dirt that gets past the air filter. That's why we like the fleet air filters. And that that silicon is like sandpaper, and it's rubbing on the crosshatch of the liners. And once the crosshatch is gone, you now have liner or polish, and you drink oil. And the other item that wears out the inside of an engine is the carbon It's a bypass, a byproduct of burning fuel. So a fellow the other day said to me, should I change my transmission and my differential oil when I look at it? It's clean. Why does it stay clean and my engine oil gets dirty? Well, there's no combustion in the transmission and no combustion in the differentials. Right so it's the combustion, the byproduct. So why not do everything you can to keep that soot and carbon out of there and that fine dust?
0: Bruce, you know that that, um, the OEMs have charts on when to change oil based solely on fuel consumption, nothing else. How many gallons of fuel did you consume? That's the most accurate way to set an oil change schedule because that's what causes the problem. It's the amount of fuel you burn. It's the combustion that makes the oil dirty. Mm
10: -hmm. Hey, Bruce, you got those uh, turbo blankets in your store there. I can order online, don't
1: you? You sure do.
10: Okay, well... I'm they're not an exact ones science, ones.
1: so I mean, uh, if somebody says we don't have that exact one, just go to one that's one size smaller, one size larger, it really doesn't matter. It's just, I mean, it's like putting a, a larger blanket on your bed.
5: All <laughs>
10: right. Okay, well, I appreciate all the help, guys.
0: All right, thanks you for can. the call. Let's yep. head off to... New York this time. Randy, welcome to the program.
7: Hey, Kevin, how's it going?
0: Good, what's on hey, your mind today? You
7: know, listening to you talk, oh, just listening to you talk about electric trucks and the diesel electric conversion, and you know, the way trains work, the way the big dump trucks and the mines work, and you know, how, how it's not not necessarily efficient because of the multiple, you know, conversion charging and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, conversions. That's the fancy word. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you're familiar with or followed or ever even heard of this outfit up in Canada called Edison Motors. No. So Edison Motors is That's
0: what I
5: talked about this morning, Kevin.
7: Oh. When the phone, when my headset's acting up. Okay. Those are the people that do
5: Yeah. That that's Yeah, um,
7: and they're and they're building, you know, Specifically for their industry, you know, they're Canadian loggers. They're up there in the Canadian Rocky Mountains, and his his theory is, you know, you, you just can't take a truck with the hundred and you know, sixty, hundred and eighty, two hundred gallons of fuel and disappear back into the Canadian Rockies for four <laughs> weeks at a time, right? And get and and get in and out. You know, and to carry enough fuel back in there, that's just not feasible. And he likes the idea of electric trucks because he, you know, you can't get a diesel powered truck to pull 120 tons on a triple trailer logging situation up an 11% grade coming out of the Rocky Mountains. But he knows that electrics will. And so he's building diesel electric prototypes. I think his prototype is like a 61 or 62 needle nose Kenworth is his baseline truck that he's building off of. So you know, and so he's ta- so he's taking the whole concept and putting it application specific.
0: Yeah, th- let's think but about. I think, that what... there's,
7: I think there's probably enough. Go ahead. Well, I just think there's probably enough. There's probably enough application specific industries in trucking to where exploring that technology is worthwhile. For more than just
0: what he's doing, give me another example.
7: Oh, you know, like the oil oil rigs down in Texas, where you're, you know you, you just you just don't have charging stations. You know, it's just what, unrealistic but, but, to think what, that
0: you. But but hold on, why need? Why would we need charging stations? Just stick with diesel. In that case, where, where well, what would you, be the advantage if, of bringing electric into the? So when you say there's enough interest. Do you mean enough interest for somebody to go out and build a truck like this like an OEM I don't think there is I don't think there's a big enough market no, for this yeah, at all I, I No,
7: don't, I don't know his 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 goal he's he's trying to build but, but conversion kits yeah so that, well, a, so that an owner operator can convert his old truck but hold on unless un, and I don't know, well, you know I don't know
0: hold on let's look at what he's doing you're talking about two forty thousand pounds on a primitive road and an 11% grade. That was the problem he was trying to solve and no access to diesel or not enough access to diesel. So we need, but that has nothing to do with a class, a truck on highway, nothing. So why would we even think because it works here, let's put it on the highway. We know it's not efficient on the highway but he's not shooting for efficiency right, right. It, it, nothing he was doing no, shooting, is about efficiency right. he's doing it for, correct right he's interested in the performance of the vehicle not the efficiency of it right so that that has no correlation to what we do on the highway yeah
7: well you know i just think i was i was pulling a 6% grade up in the new york cat skills you know, and I'm, I'm not super heavy. I'm sitting probably at about 60,000 pounds and I'm coming up this grade at 50 miles an hour. And this guy in this old long nose, Pete with a 10 axle set up pulling a big, heavy excavator blew past me up this mountain at a full 75 miles an hour. <laughs> He's not interested in efficiency. He's all about performance. Right. You know, so there 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 is a sector within any industry where people are more concerned about a, about performance than efficiency. And that's just human nature.
1: But you know those high performance engines, properly driven on the level, do get great fuel knowledge.
0: Yeah, but but yeah, again, so let, let, you know, let let's you not confuse things. We're we're Bruce you're talking about a high performance diesel designed that way. We're back to this diesel electric thing and there's just there's no reason to complicate things with this diesel electric. Maybe in this one extreme case that okay there is an advantage to it here but that is a tiny even if you're talking about heavy haul. I mean nobody's really unhappy with what we can get out of a pure diesel engine for performance. Now, we're not going to get great fuel economy. And if we want this crazy performance, then why not just pure electric? Pure electric isn't going to work in his case because he doesn't have electricity up there, though. So we, we have to realize what problem somebody was trying to solve. He tried to, He's solving a problem that has nothing to do with what 99.9% of the industry does.
4: It's, it's think, being a problem. What problem. We're like what? telling people. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of a problem, we're telling people not to put new engines in old trucks. This guy has an old truck. He wants to have like a diesel electric hybrid and then send it into the bush. <laughs> like, <laughs> if a... it does break down, which everything does, now you have this giant, complex, cobbled together thing stuck out in the middle of nowhere. Is it just like when you lose a snowmobile? You just bury it out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like that that yeah. sounds like such a complex mess. Yeah, it did, it like, works. never like make something homemade, and then you're like, well, I I don't know how confident I am about going on like a short, you know, little road trip around. I don't know if I would take this 77 hybrid cobbled thing into the bush like that. I would yeah. rather just take more fuel <laughs> <laughs> on something that I know is going to get me there and back. That's my thing.
7: Yeah, and, and maybe, and I, you know, I, I, think it's to each his own. You know, everybody's going oh, to try yeah. to make their own name, doing their own thing. Yeah. Do all the power in the world to them. Um, you know, if he can make if he can make a go of it,
0: cool. Um, yeah, well,
7: I wonder. It, it, if, and
0: if it works for him, if, fine. Well, but I don't so, see any widespread application.
7: Probably not. I wonder. You know, when you're do when you're coast to coast running. <sighs> you know could there could there be time savings in that if you've got a diesel electric conversion if you're not stopping as often for fuel because the diesel engine's not running as often you know could you could you make time by running a could you get all the way across the country plus
0: with so so what if you could where's the gain
7: time savings maybe may I don't know you know I you know Maybe there's a gain, maybe there's not. Maybe you just want to be different. Maybe you want to be on the conversation piece.
1: Yeah,
7: I don't know. That's
1: what we were trying whenever I was working with Letarno in Texas. Um, You know, we were going under the assumption that the earth moving equipment does 30% better on fuel. So we thought, well, if we could do that same 30% on highway, then we would have a winner. It um, just didn't happen.
7: just doesn't
1: work.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and here's the thing we have to remember. Trucking mm-hmm. is really competitive. You know, we just went through a couple years where rates were so high you could do all kinds of weird stuff and still make money. But we're about to head into an economy where you better be pretty darn efficient and these kinds of ideas come down to one thing. Does it lower my cost per mile? Because if it doesn't, why would we even <laughs> think about trying it? And, and and it just doesn't. There there's no way we're going to build a diesel electric truck that lowers our cost per mile. And if we're not going to unless it solves some really weird problem like this guy way out in the woods, why bother?
7: You know, couldn't you couldn't you do diesel electric and I know that I'm sure this has been broached a million different times, but could you not could you not have a small I don't know, a 4BT, a 6BT, something something small up there that ran your air compressor, ran your, generated your hot water, you know, ran all of the missile your air conditioning, ran all the stuff that you don't want to waste your electric batteries on and let your batteries be dedicated for driving the truck. Let the diesel engine power the batteries as well as power all the accessories that are going to be, you know, electric robbing
0: from the battery. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, you're talking about, a, 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 again, you're talking about a diesel engine and a generator big enough to charge batteries and run all this other stuff. You're back to a 15 liter diesel engine.
1: No, he was talking about use the batteries. The batteries would get plugged in for sure. power and the small, diesel engine would just run the rest of the truck it would be just the pony engine the why? pony engine would have nothing to do with charging the batteries
0: well he just said it would right. ch- you, uh, wait you could, your last statement well, said charge the batteries and run stuff that's why i cued on that charging okay, it may, it may, the. May, here, may, here's what not. people might not realize how big of a generator you need to charge big enough batteries to run a class eight truck. We're talking about a big, big generator here.
7: Right, right. And I don't, I don't think you need to have that be a dedicated charging station, but can you not supplement the charge off of it? But
0: you, of course you can, but why, why supplement that? Why complicate things with multiple systems? Where's the advantage? When you ask can you do it? Yes. We could hook up six engines to this thing if we want, but why do we want to do well, that? Well, I
7: think if you, to maximize the efficiency of your engine, it to maximize doesn't. the power it, that the it, engine it, produces. If it's better than just letting it waste off into the atmosphere. I mean, if you've got if you got a 300 horsepower engine and you're only using 100 horsepower to drive your accessories and you've got a couple hundred extra horsepower just doing nothing you know wait 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 why not wait, look up wait. a small generator wait when do you,
0: when do you have an engine running that it's just wasting 200 horsepower oh i don't know you know never let me know. answer the question for you never never is there just a wasted 200 horsepower being produced where would it go it's got to do something it either has to move something it has to generate heat so we're not wasting 200 horsepower ever when we run an engine. We might waste 30 or 40 here or there with you know inefficiencies in a fan or something like that but you're you're asking a question can it be done yes, it can there's no reason to it's not more efficient. it's less efficient.
7: yeah and I guess I look at it as you know maybe, Maybe efficiency isn't the be all and end all. Maybe so, there's some
0: so application again, benefits re-
7: that could be recognized elsewhere.
0: That's what I keep asking you though. Give me one, we'll talk about it. But there aren't. Oh,
7: I don't, you know, I don't know. There really are. I don't
0: know. And mean, if, if there are, there are tiny, you, tiny niches. And we don't, I mean, we deal with 90% of our people okay, do the same so, thing they run over the road on highway. Well,
7: okay, so, so, okay, but look at it this way you know, the what's the biggest. What's the biggest holdback for electric trucks or electric cars? Period. Range. The the range. So, wouldn't it be beneficial to have a small
0: electric engine that's running a whole no, bunch Randy, of No, Randy. That Randy. I've, I've asked. I've as answered as a, this question <laughs> many times. You just keep trying to ask it a different way. No, it would not be beneficial. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not as efficient. It's less efficient. It,
7: Okay, okay. Not talking not talking about efficiency. Throw efficiency, Throw efficiency. out
0: the window. Then what do we let's care talk about? about? Range extension. Why? Okay, let's, let's if talk I about hold, of, hold range on. Range extension. I,
7: maybe, we, I, maybe we can get 600 miles out of a day wait. instead of 400.
0: Well, wait a minute. Why are you talking about 6 or 400? Why not put 200 gallon well, it, capacity on on a 10 mile per gallon truck and you've got a 2000 mile range with no electricity at all? You're at four or six hundred miles. I'm at two thousand miles of range.
7: Yes, but we're talking we're talking about electric trucks. We're not talking uh, but, about
0: diesel power. But why are we future? talking about electric? And the future. Here's what I can tell you: the future is not diesel electric. That was the issue. The future is pure electric, not diesel electric. Right,
7: but there's going to be there's but there's going to be a bridge that needs to be gapped.
0: That's that's called a hybrid.
7: There's gonna there's gonna be that, it's
0: called well, a hybrid. Yeah, there's
7: transition. There's gonna be a transition period. We're in it. And it. And but we're. But we're. A, isn't that what a diesel electric is? Is a hybrid?
0: Yeah, but we're we're we've already blown past that. Tesla's not putting out a hybrid. Nikola's kind of putting out a hybrid, but it's hydrogen <laughs> no, electric, well, not, not sure n- that they're putting out anything, Not diesel it? electric. Nobody. Nobody with, with Volvo car, Cummins, look at everybody around the world. Nobody is really looking at a hybrid class A truck. It doesn't make sense.
7: Right, right. But they're, but they're also not able to produce a purely electric truck that has
0: over the road cross country range. Well, uh, if you believe Tesla, they're there. They're at 600 miles well, on, yeah, their, um, on their initial charge, and they're at another 400 miles on a 30-minute charge. Now all we need are charging yeah, maybe, stations. I don't
7: know. I mean, we no, all, but, all we need is to see the trucks actually on the road doing that.
0: Well, and they will. You know, and, and it and may I not mean, be think, this year or next year. year at, at it may be 10 years from now. But the, the issue is yeah. when it happens, it's going to be pure electric and maybe
7: i just think i just think we're 20 years worth of transition period before we have an infrastructure in place to satisfy the need of these pure pure electric trucks
0: that could be and until then our most efficient option is just pure diesel why why complicate this we have diesel engines now getting 10 plus miles to the gallon and they're clean so there's our yeah, transition but we're humans and we can't but we can't leave well enough of- Alone. We're well we TV. should though that's we what have I'm me. arguing for we have I'm arguing to mess with things. I, well I'm arguing not to don't mess with this we've tried it we've been trying it for decades not working nobody has built a diesel electric truck yet that makes any sense and most people have given up on it yeah
7: and maybe I don't know I just I don't know enough about the trends to argue it one way or another I just look at a whole bunch of the what- ifs
0: All right.
1: Okay. Hey, by the way, a slightly different subject, talking 10 miles to the gallon, Reggie, a guy that runs the import team in the international at 60 miles an hour, uh, running the max mileage, and two ounces of the knowledge improver for every 25-gallon has now broke 10 miles to the gallon. I've been in fourteen. Really? Wow. That's pretty yes. impressive. Yes. He's a sharp young man. Yeah. He's he's been in the steady high eights and low nines,
0: and he's now in the tens. Wow. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh let's move along right there in Pittsburgh. Dave, welcome to the program. Howdy. Howdy. What's on your I mind today? To you
8: a while ago from the uh, Harmerville, I'm uh, from the Harmerville LTL company that had the bottles held up. You remember, Bruce, the bottles for the catalyst? Uh, can Can you guys hear me?
0: Yeah, we're here now. Yeah, Did not... they
8: they expand? Yeah. Did they yeah. expand? Bruce, I, I come up and met you the one day there and uh, I explained to you why the bottles for the catalyst got hung up there from the Harmerville LTL company. And then uh Bridget sales girl come up. Oh, was I there? I think I was there, wasn't I? Uh, uh well I met this, I did meet you out in the park a lot. My, okay. Joyce and I come up here at nighttime
0: Yeah, here we I, to you. That's, yeah that's what I thought. Almost, this sounded um, familiar. My,
8: yeah. I, I yeah, I'm um, getting ready October seventeenth. Uh, I have my forty five years in and I'm retiring. I thought well I'd give a call in. I've been wanting to call out like, the Max Mallage. I ran it uh I ran over a gallon or so of my company truck and then it really, it really worked. It cleaned up, and the car mechanic could see it clean things up. But you just can't sell it for a company, you know. And uh, so I just uh, says, so, you know, I can't go there. I can't afford to do that all the time. I run up my Harley, the motor home. I was having a V10 gas motor home, having check engine lights on there. It did clear my light out, and uh, I mean everything: I weed whacker, lawnmower, or Honda car it just uh, it is really impressive you know I yep. I didn't know with the the gas mileage now the the new stuff you have out will that work with the gas engines too or just no, stick the, mileage no, no the, mileage. the
1: mileage improver is not compatible with gasoline
8: with the gas mm-hmm. stick the mileage yeah, mileage
1: just in. with diesel
8: yeah okay all right well that's pretty much all i had there but uh i mean i still i get one more power hour before i retire there but i'll still listen <laughs> on the side and sit
0: there back you go there you
1: go well be careful with retirement yeah. with the way this inflation is oh, that,
0: there you uh, go i agree with that yeah all right yeah. well we got all kinds of noise going on here uh Let's, uh, we're going to grab another call here. Let's go to Iowa. Matt, welcome to the program.
2: Good afternoon, gentlemen.
0: What's on your mind today?
2: All this conversation about different, uh, powered vehicles and different, um, I guess driven, I guess is more the word I want to use. I'm certainly no expert on any of it, but. I've had experience in heavy equipment, farming equipment. Um, The difference is the application. Like Bruce is talking with a front end loader in in a pit. These things are moving 100 feet forward, turning, scooping something up, backing up 100, 150 feet, lifting weight and dumping it. There, there's no comparison right. to an on-road truck. Right. I mean, it, it most off-road equipment or, or construction equipment, you get to them big tires. They have planetary gears, completely different axle. Not even you can't even compare that to what we run on the road. Right. Most of it is gotten to fluid-driven transmission now, basically hydraulic. Okay. And that makes sense on something that is forward, backwards, turning. I mean, it's, it, it's not like a mechanical driven truck running down the road forward all day long. Well, and, and backing up into a dock. It's,
0: and think of the other difference in gearing and transmissions and driveline. The Class A truck needs to go from zero up to 80 miles an hour that that requires a whole different setup than something that's never going to go more than maybe five miles an hour.
2: And yeah, so that's the big difference is really control. Um, in farming equipment, they have, they call it IVT transmissions, as I'm not exactly a hundred percent sure what them letters stand for, but it's variable transmission, but it's a, it's a, they can dial in an exact speed. So like a tractor pulling a implement through the ground, you know, a plow, whatever. You want to set your RPM on your tractor on the engine to run at a certain RPM. And depending upon, you know, moisture in the soil, all that, you may need to speed up by half a mile an hour. You can do that without changing gears in these fluid driven. And electric's the same. This electric off-road logging truck, in them conditions, he needs control within that half mile an hour range. Right. You can do that with hydraulics or electric.
0: Doesn't Not, mean right. it's more efficient. It, no, it's it, it just has, solving a different problem. Situation. Right. right. Yeah, it's yeah. solving a whole different problem. And there have been attempts to create these kinds of fluid-driven drive lines in a Class A truck, and they never work. It, it, it's just not. No, it's they not, are not efficient. Right, they're not. Yeah, they've tried it though. I, I remember a whole drive line thing where they're they're. Philosophy was if we can keep that diesel engine at a constant RPM, it will be more efficient. And they were trying to create a driveline that would keep an engine at a constant RPM on the highway, and it just doesn't work.
2: Um, so, yeah, like the, the logging guy, I mean, if he was to stick straightly or stick with um, conventional stuff, gearing, straight gears. He would be looking at you know somewhere in the twenty-some gear transmission,
0: with right. probably a
2: two-speed rear end, <laughs> right? You know to make what he's and, doing work. Where and, in that situation, the electric actually makes
0: sense. And think about what the driver would have to go through to be in the right gear all the time.
2: Yeah, because you're going to want splits
0: so right. close together, right?
2: That it, I mean it. It, it, it wouldn't be a truck that's drivable over the road to begin with right to be able to make it so yeah whether it's cheaper or more efficient to do this electric conversion or to upgrade the you know newer different transmissions for off-road type use i guess i don't know i mean that's just an experimental thing if you could make the electric work but like leroy was saying i i don't think that's a great fit for out
0: in the woods and in the mud. And <laughs> right. It's to too me, complicated.
2: You're just asking for a problem that yeah. you don't have parts for. You know?
0: And technicians and, yeah, test equipment and all kinds yeah, of crazy it's, it's stuff. One,
4: it's one thing, if you make it for yourself, you know, you, you know how it went together, you know what to look for. But then when he sells it as a conversion kit to somebody else, oh, and then boy. they go out in the woods with it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah not, that's, <laughs> That's where it doesn't work. That's why, like you were saying, Kevin, why the OEMs aren't interested in this. There's not, there's not a market for an OEM to do this. You know, I mean, I- yeah, sure there's some people that would try it, but you could never mass produce this even just for off-road. You know, the guy mentioned oil, oil rigs and, and, you know, logging and they're, Yes, it's a huge industry, but you can't mass produce enough for that industry.
0: No, I like didn't.
2: Peterbilt can not want anybody to mess with it.
0: You know, I've even questioned why we're traveling down the path of hydrogen electric. If anything, it might be a bridge. If we need a bridge, I guess. But you have to go build a whole new infrastructure for the hydrogen. So only be short-lived. Exactly. I, I, that yeah, just doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Well, I, I can answer the reason as to why they look at hydrogen. So a, a true hydrogen fuel cell is way more efficient than a diesel generator creating electricity.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: But I completely agree with to build. The infrastructure makes no sense because it is a temporary thing. Whether it's 10 years or 20 years, I don't know. Right. But eventually, the battery life will be there.
0: Yeah, we'll have solid-state batteries. We'll have in-road charging. We'll have all kinds of crazy technologies that will solve the same problem they're trying to solve with hydrogen, and it'll be a lot less complicated. So,
2: yeah, because I had this idea... I worked around some train derailments and different stuff back in the late 90s. And I, I came up with this, why, why don't we put a diesel generator in a truck and have an electric axle, it's like <laughs> trains do? Right. And, I mean, I even thought about trying to build one. I could have got to use, they call them traction motors, you know, the, the low gear of the locomotive. They, actually, their axles are different gear ratios. So they have, I think it's just two different ratios. So they actually have traction motors that they use, you know, starting out. And then those will get shut off and they'll turn the higher ratio one on. But it, it, it yeah, just, there wasn't an axle you could put on a truck that would go from zero to 70 miles an hour. Right. And work.
0: Right. Yeah
4: if any of these ideas are possible, like it, it's, it's not that it can't be done. it just doesn't make any sense money wise. That's it.
0: That's the oh, whole yeah, point. You, could, you could right. do the
2: two different axles. Your front one would be one ratio. Your rear one would be a different ratio, but now you're talking, you know, when we talk on Fridays with Joel and uh, the, the six by two and your suspension to have the computer suspension to be able to, which one actually has more weight on it to get the traction. And it, It's way overcomplicated, and you're not really gaining anything.
0: No, honestly, and I know we're not going to switch now, but I'm not sure why we don't run single-axle tractors and tri-axle trailers or single-axles and more spreads or a better way to, you know, there are ways we could make that more efficient, and we don't even do that because it's too much trouble for people to fit these oddball stuff into their fleets. We've run tandem axle tractors yep. and tandem axle trailers for so long. And there's so many of them out there that trying to go to something that we could prove would be more efficient. And it's pretty simple. It's not a complicated thing. They do it all over Europe. Um, we're not going to do it <laughs> here though, even though it would be more efficient.
2: Yeah. Banana. Yes. Go ahead, Bruce.
1: I found a company that makes the electric axle, and it's for a minivan. This was six or seven years ago. I met with them a couple times. And they had the axle, they had the engineering, they had the engineering department. They make a lot of parts for General Motors. And they said, Who's going to fund building this axle? to haul 40,000 pounds or 20,000, whatever it was. And I said, well, just take what you currently have and multiply everything by three or four and build one. Well,
0: then they wanted to know how many million I had to put into the project. <laughs> hey, hey, Bruce. <laughs> that ended they, that real fast. Bruce, the company that did this already is right there with you in Pittsburgh. Hi Hylion? Yeah, they've got all this. They've no, got. No, they moved. They moved to Austin. Oh yeah, Up that's right. Austin, Texas. I think you're right. They got bought and, and yeah. they did move. But yeah, Hylion was right there, they, and they're doing this now. You can go buy mm-hmm. an electric axle from them.
1: Mm-hmm. They're doing it for the trailer. This is for the drive. I want to have yeah, to that, the tractor.
2: That's only a boost of power. That's not your full drive line.
0: Well, correct, right. but... I, Hi, I don't think Hi, there is an electric... Heilian is building that axle for Can the we tractor were- now as well. Okay. Now, it's not the, it, it's not the full powertrain. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about taking just individual axles and electrifying them to recapture energy and then use it to drive. Yep. So, yeah, you could put one on your trailer, one and on, on your, your tractor, yep. and still have a traditional diesel truck... You just have two electrified axles that recover energy for you.
1: That was 15 years ago when we tested the first axle. So don't hold your breath thinking you're going to have one.
0: What what about this? And, And I don't know the answer to this question, but since maybe it doesn't even need to be as complicated as a drive axle, why don't we just recapture that energy to power our hotel loads? Why aren't we just using that to just yeah. charge our well, batteries and have, you know, a, a, another set of hotel load batteries? And, and why aren't we recapturing energy from axles for that?
4: APUs yeah, right. are cheaper. What's that? Because but, but, APUs are cheaper to just recharge your hotel batteries than it is to add a whole yeah, it, uh, recapture right. system.
0: Right. It, so that's what the all yeah, these so they, answers believe, always uh, come down to. Does it save us money? If it doesn't, it's, it's probably it. not going to happen, yeah. right? No. That That's it. That's what this all comes down to. Sure, you could do it, but why? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't save us any money.
2: Yeah, all these ideas I don't really know
0: yeah,
2: just... the numbers on the breaking and the recapture, but I'm assuming because that's high power, you know, when you're, Turning a motor for braking power, I, I would assume that's a very high voltage. So now you got to do a conversion to get it back down to twelve volts, and, and that's what people miss: that right. the conversions are where this all becomes in, inefficient.
0: They're inefficient, right? So, um, and then if this system the, never breaks, the money
4: that you would have saved with the system
0: the cost to replace it would like undo all the stuff that you've already said.
2: <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of where looking at all the solar and wind stuff, you know, that they're putting up around the country, it, it, it's not working out because it's not lasting as long as they thought. And, and it's know, not you're replacing stuff that...
0: And you know, the other thing they do with solar is the same thing we do with electric vehicles. And I do it. We all do it. When we talk about range, even, we talk about optimal. We're always using that optimal number. And it's the same thing with the solar. They use the optimal number. What's the best case scenario? But then you spend all the money and you get this thing and best case scenario never happens. We should be calculating things on worst talking, case scenario, not best.
2: Well, at least average, because right. optimal is what, you know, for
0: certain areas of
2: the country, you're talking about 10, 15 days out of the year.
0: Exactly, right. Well, <laughs>
2: what about the other 350 <laughs>
0: days out of the year, you know? But that's what we do it with both. We do it with these electric vehicles when we talk about even when I said Tesla claims they have 600 mile range. Yeah, that's probably fairly light, not a lot of grades, a moderate temperature, and then you start putting in all the real world factors and those numbers start to fall apart pretty quickly. And it's the same thing with solar they give you these, these calculations that are optimal, and then you get it in the real world, and you still have an electric bill. Yep.
2: And then there's back the trucks. The other factor is look at where the OEMs are moving to, and if we start breaking 10 miles to the gallon on factory-spec trucks, with all the specking right and driving them right, that changes the whole equation to switching to anything else.
0: Yeah, it does. And
2: I don't see diesel fly. Well, you know, I'll never say never, but you know, maybe <laughs> in my lifetime, it certainly isn't going away.
0: You know, I, I think we're still calculating on like 6.6 miles to the gallon, which is the national average. And, and if you get the national average to 8 or 9 even, we don't even have to get to 10. Get the national average to 8 or 9, and electric is going to be a whole lot slower to be adopted. No.
5: no. But just every but time diesel fuel sure. goes up, people <laughs> throw <laughs> propane units on. And as soon right. as they go down, right. they're <laughs> and back off, and we don't hear about that again.
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good no. point. All right. Well have we solved right, the world's Mom. problems all today? today? All right. I think we uh yeah, Diesel Still King. Diesel is I have still one, king. I have
1: one other Go ahead, you Bruce. Know, you know, Matt brought up the windmills and my understanding is the leading edge of the blade wears out from passing through the dirt in the air. But what do they do on airplanes? Is that stainless steel the leading edge or is that polished aluminum? Why is the leading edge on windmill blades stainless steel? And the other problem is, my understanding is the blades are good for twenty years, and it takes twenty years to pay off a windmill. It's kind of a (laughs) break-even.
0: Right. And and that's
1: if we have if we have the. the fiberglass wearing out on the leading edge why don't we have stainless on that uh carbon fiber maybe carbon fiber still it's strong but i don't know how it would be to abrasion something beating on it because yeah, of abrasion. the leading edge of that isn't, isn't the speed, blade is, is the, going pretty fast
5: yeah the speed of the blazer or are very fast no they don't look like they're moving fast right I, I think that's right. part of the problem right. the, um, the wind airplane, speed itself
4: uh, yeah, we'll just- yeah you're adding a bunch of weight that you're trying to move around
0: that probably makes it harder to move Hmm. we'll have to uh, save that problem for another day we'll solve that one some other time alright All right. we're gonna wrap this up for today <laughs> Yes. There you go. All right. We will see you back here. Are you doing a pit today? We are not. Uh, The pit is now going to become a podcast, meaning we don't have a regular time and we won't, it won't be live. So it's where we'll schedule it. I think we scheduled the recording for Thursday and then as soon as we record it, we'll drop it into the app. So people have it. So I think this week it's going to be Thursday. All right. We will see you back here tomorrow for Destination Health. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.